Hello and welcome to the Connected Generation. My name is Nikkei Anani and I am your host. Here on the Connected Generation, we explore all things legacy wealth and legacy businesses, how to build businesses and wealth that would have sustained impact, not only over time, but also over space. And we have these conversations with genuine curiosity, authenticity and vulnerability, inviting guests from all over the world to share on their legacy journey or expert teachers to share a thing or two that would be helpful in our legacy journey. And this week, there's no guest. It's back to moi (laughs) doing a solo episode. It's been, September's been quite a busy month. It just feels like suddenly the foot's been on the gas and there's been a lot of momentum picking up. So there's been a lot more in-person gatherings, which I love. So speaking engagements, a lot of networking and doing workshops. And honestly, it's been really nice and it's got me quite buzzed because I get fed off meaningful connecting. And all these events have been just that. And you know, as we're entering the fall, I'm super mindful of carrying an attitude of just light playfulness, of savoring in the moment, being present, um, of applauding myself and celebrating myself for sticking to my intentions, rather than being obsessed with the journey, rather being obsessed with the destination, not the journey, <laughs> and being obsessed with like measuring myself by outcomes that I would have um, expected myself to have achieved, right? I guess that's been a huge lesson that I learned last year, last academic year. I think actually in like academic years as opposed to calendar years. I don't know if that's just me. Um, Last academic year, I got very burnt out and I'm super conscious of not getting back there. But that's not what we're talking about Um, today. I just thought to give an update. We're carrying on the conversation from the last solo episode 133. If you're new to the podcast, I started a solo series a few months ago, picking themes from my latest book, Lifetime to Legacy. And that was released earlier this summer. Um, To learn more about Lifetime to Legacy, you can check out my website, www.nikeanani forward slash book, nikeanani.com forward slash book. Lifetime's legacy, simply put, is how can we take our enterprises from being a lifetime enterprise to a legacy enterprise? How can we come together as a family to co-create enterprises of the future? And yeah, so you can learn more about that on my website, www.nikeanani.com forward slash book. It's also available on Amazon. And so the last solo episode I did, episode 133, I spoke about how to be an effective change champion as a rising gen member, as a next gen. I'd recommend you check that out if you haven't listened to it. And today we'll be talking about siblings, partnerships and common mistakes that I often see folks making that may be holding you back and being effective siblings partners. And I guess taking a step back, why is this important? Why is it important to have a healthy, productive, effective siblings partnership? Why is it important to be proactive in cultivating and nurturing that? Because frankly, there's a lot at stake. And 
I think in this dispensation, compared to that under a controlling founder, it's a lot harder. Let's think about this. With a founder, everyone knows who the boss is. Everyone knows their leadership role in the family. They're usually a parent, right? Um, Everyone knows who they are as an owner, usually the sole shareholder. And this founder often makes decisions without consultation of other stakeholders, But in generation two, under a sibling's partnership, the boss may not be in the picture. And so how do we make decisions? What are our clear roles? Like what responsibilities do we occupy? How do we make decisions over strategic business matters, over family matters, over investing, over philanthropy, over new new ventures that we want to want to launch when there's no longer this kind of central dominant figure that everyone knows and agrees this is the boss this is decision maker and then as siblings we know how to be siblings right (laughs) as siblings we all kind of play our various roles um and we often know how to argue right (laughs) without this authority figure that often mediates or moderates conflict, we can get stuck in repeatable patterns that hinder the partnership. And the enterprise is also evolving from one that has had this very, this individual leader to one that requires collective collaboration. So collaboration was not necessarily necessary to the success of the family enterprise in G1 both in the family and in the business, because there were less stakeholders and it was less complex. But in generation two, we may have married ins, we may have grandchildren, new tribes of the family, divorces. So it gets a little bit more complex. And in the business, we often see other transitions that can also be tricky, like international expansion. It's usually around G1 to G2 transition that families tend to think about how can we expand our footprint beyond our national borders and also where we start thinking through how are we going to transfer leadership from the founder to a new leader whether that new leader is a family member or whether that new leader is non-family staff so that's a lot of change And each of these changes deserve their own episode in their own right. But the point that I'm trying to drive home is what is common is that collaboration is key. And so the enterprise structure needs to move from a monarchy to a democracy, as I say in my book, which is all quite timely with Queen Elizabeth's death. Um, Yeah, so we want to shift from a monarchy in G1 to a democracy in G2. And so it's key that as a next generation, we're able to form a cadence, we're able to coalesce, we're able to have effective decision making and conflict resolution skills as so much hinges on our effective collaborations. So onto some common mistakes that I often see in siblings partnerships that limit their effectiveness. I'll cover three for today. The first is seeking uniformity and not unity. You know, as individuals, we tend to expect others to think and act like we do, and we tend to want our own way, right? And this can lead to a lot of frustration or even outright conflict in a team setting. 
in, a, in essence, we are seeking uniformity. Everyone should act the same, think the same, be the same. And it really reminds me of um, a season I was going through a few years ago. Um, I was going through a rough patch with one of my closest friends. Let's just call her Jane. And she'd been very passive aggressive. She'd been moody and just sending snide comments. And I really was quite confused and I didn't understand what was going on. And I happened to confide in another friend of mine who is a psychotherapist. And I remember saying, well, if this friendship meant anything to her, Jane will tell me what's on her mind. And then my other friend started to analyze me. (laughs) She, um, and it was so helpful. And I find that like what she said till today, I use it in my day-to-day interactions. She said, always assume positive intent. And then she proceeded to enlighten me that I was expecting Jane to have my personality and to think the way I think. Based on Jane's personality type and her attachment style, she potentially may have felt neglected by me for whatever reason. And it may be triggering for her. And perhaps she finds confrontation scary because what would happen if we didn't resolve the issue Perhaps she has a huge fear of abandonment. And good grief, that conversation was life-changing because it opened room in my heart to address the matter in a non-judgmental fashion and in a graceful way. And it also opened room in my heart to appreciate that we are all so different. We think so differently. Our hearts are wired completely differently. And we've had completely different experiences. Human beings are not the same siblings are not the same we also have our different strengths and weaknesses we bring different things to the table and I am of the strong opinion that we should celebrate our differences because that's what we do in sports right when we think about it collaboration not only recognizes the individual contributions towards collective goals, but it also appreciates the different strengths and weaknesses each member brings to the table. Let's think about soccer, for instance. In a soccer team, we appreciate that a team is diverse in their abilities. We don't resent other team members for being different. As team members, we appreciate the diversity of the team because we know that that is the strength of our team. Similarly, in our partnership, we should appreciate and embrace the diversity of our perspectives, our personalities, the way we process information, our engagement attachment styles rather, what engages us, what inspires us, because these differences are our strength, right? So we want unity, not uniformity. But often as siblings, we don't know each other deeply enough in this way, yet this is key to our success. The second mistake I often see is that, um, and I talk about this in my book, it's folks think it's about individual rulership, not collective leadership. Let's unpack that. So often in family enterprises in generation two, We observed the founding generation that modeled to us a leadership style that perhaps we we may have seen a very dominant founder that made unilateral decisions. And this dominant founder was probably surrounded by a whole bunch of helpers or executors that just implement his or her vision. And 
as G2, that's all we know. And perhaps we try to take that same style of leadership that's been modeled to us and to take that into the future. Or perhaps we know, oh gosh, this, we need something different. We need a more collaborative style of leadership. But how do we embrace that, infuse that into an enterprise where the systems, the processes, the procedures have been carefully curated for this founder centricity? How do we shift the entire enterprise? And this model of kind of autocratic monarchy leadership can be a huge disadvantage, as I mentioned earlier, as one is making a generational change, because we need to develop a culture of collaboration yesterday. And I often liken this founder centricity to an individual ruler. Yet what we really need is collective leaders. And what is the difference? If we think about it, rulers, they exercise ultimate power and authority over their people without any accountability or process or governance. <laughs> Leaders, on the other hand, they, they direct and they guide. Rulers can impose. Leaders influence. Rulers have subjects. Leaders have willing followers. So you see, that's a huge, huge dispensation shift, right? So quite often... In the first generation, our families, in the past rather, our families may have chosen rulers that would succeed the founder, right? They may lean on cultural expectation, traditional systems where perhaps they pick the eldest son to take over the enterprise and to exercise ultimate power and authority over all other family members, including their siblings, right? But many of us have many examples that this strategy has not been very successful. It's led to many a court battle, many divided families, many conflicts. And I am of the strong opinion that there's an alternative way. Instead of choosing a dominant ruler in the next generation who is surrounded by helpers, we want collective leadership in our siblings' partnership where each of our siblings see ourselves as co-builders of the enterprise, where we share and discover ideas, where we co-create solutions together, where we take ownership jointly and we enjoy autonomy. Here, all of us are leaders. Whether or not we're working in the business or the family office, whether or not we're on the pitch or on the sidelines, Whoever is then elected as the CEO of the business or the leader of the family office or the family council, family foundation, and so on and so forth, is seen as a representative of the collective. This way, this question of who will succeed the founder is not as divisive because all siblings are assured that our ideas, our thoughts, our perspectives will influence decision-making rather than impose, rather than be imposed, rather. Third mistake I often see is lacking a playbook. Most siblings, par Most siblings partnerships lack a playbook. And as I said, the seasons are changing. And my kids the other day were looking at winter sports and which sports they want to play um, as winter approaches. And mine are really keen on 
basketball, soccer and tennis. And interestingly, these are all team sports, right? And in team sports, playbooks are absolutely critical for the team to win. With a playbook, the players align with a strategy. They follow the playbook. They know the roles each of them are playing and they jointly execute. And this playbook shows what do we need to do to win this game? What is our strategy and how is that broken down into actionable plays? What are our roles and responsibilities? And each of the players, they memorize the plays and they're prepared for the game. And another interesting observation is that no two playbooks are the same. If you go to two different teams, they have completely different playbooks. So we don't necessarily just copy others. It's carefully curated for us. In recent time, I've in recent times I've grown to deeply respect and admire athletes. I strongly believe that we business owners have so much to learn from from them. And Accenture leading consulting firm, they say that a playbook includes process workflows, standard operating procedures and cultural values that shape a consistent response. And that consistent response is the play. So a playbook reflects a plan. It's an approach or strategy defining predetermined responses worked out ahead of time. I would go as far and say that as enterprising families, at the family level, specifically as siblings, partners, we need a playbook. We need something that we all rally around like a flag and commit to. That's not in someone's head. It's explicitly articulated and detailed so that we can collaborate. And we have autonomy and agency to shape it. It wasn't given to us by the older gen by the older gen or mandated that we abide by it. It's ours. But often I see that siblings teams, they lack a playbook. And I get it. We all know what it's like to be siblings, right? But we've never had that practice being partners. Going on that journey from just mere siblings to sibling partners, it requires intentionality. Also, I find that it can be quite nebulous. So how do we gain clarity on, firstly, I, as Nikkei Anani, what is my individual definition of success and fulfillment, let alone coming together and finding that collective success and fulfillment? It can feel like very pie in the sky. But I am of the strong opinion, and I've seen the payoffs of this, that it's a worthy investment to make as the opportunity cost of not doing so is too high. It can lead to, without having this playbook, without having this clarity collectively, it can lead to frustration with one another. It can lead to wasted time and money. It can lead to this lack of autonomy, being able to see oneself as able to bring about change in the family enterprise. And it can lead to conflict. It need not be that way. So I'd love for you to think about all of that on how can we seek more unity rather than uniformity? How can we start to embrace more collective leadership? And how can we start to define and curate our playbook as siblings partners? Our next solo conversation, I'll be talking about family meetings what you should and shouldn't do, what's an effective family meeting, how do you get started? And 
family meetings are a critical part of family enterprise health so you don't want to miss this as always please follow please leave a review and share this episode with a friend that is keen on learning how to build legacy business and wealth and if you'd like more resources i'd recommend that you pick up a copy of my book lifetime to legacy which is available on amazon and the link is on in the show notes as always thank you so much Take good care and God bless.